Hello and welcome to Connected, a podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom. Hi, I'm Sue Uniman, Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. And today, today's a really special podcast, isn't it, Andrew? It, it, I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited. I'm quite emotional. I should just say to everybody, I'm actually quite emotional anyway, what with everything. And this is going to make me um, even more emotional because on this special edition of, of uh, the podcast, we have Stephen Allen, um, who is our outgoing global CEO, and Nick Lawson, who is our incoming global CEO. And we're delighted that they both agreed to talk to us. Um, we've got lots of questions for them. And um, I've worked with both of them for a very long time. Um, so I am delighted. I'm just I'm just really thrilled that we've got the chance to do this. It's kind of a historic moment, we think. I'm delighted to be here. Sue, Nick, Andrew, uh, thank you for thank you for having me. And welcome. Me then. too. Me Good. too. So I'm going to kick off with the first question, um, and it's for Steve. Now, when we started in the industry, which was um, quite a long time ago, obviously we were both very, very young, um, but there were three TV channels. You had to um, write out media uh, schedules. Um, there were typewriters with carbon paper. And if we wanted to find something out, we had to go to a library. Um, there has clearly been an enormous amount of change in the industry since you started out. What, but but what's the biggest change in what we do for our clients over that, that it's 38 years for you? What, what's By the way, the just to add on that list, uh, Sue, uh, which I suppose was the 1980s version of performance marketing was the uh, was the telex machine, because we used to get uh, on a Friday night. I remember with some of our clients, they would telex through or telegram through telex through their sales results for that week. And we would yeah. then sort of adjust and replan for the following week on so, certainly some of those sort of more direct response campaigns but yeah to your question there weren't actually three channels there were three tv channels but there was only one commercial channel That's which true. was of course yeah. itv yeah. and it wasn't even called itv then because you had all the regional you know it was granada and central and, i'll tell you what it was uh, called each part of the country it was called a license to print money was what it was called right yes a monopoly <laughs> yeah so so that actually it was a choice of one and it was only i think in 1984 that channel four came along mm. and you sort of roughly said Channel for 20% of your budget and still 80% went to to ITV. And and I was, I really was thinking about this, Sue. I mean, what has changed? I mean, everything. And, you know, it would be so obvious for me to say that the biggest change by far was and is the internet, because it is. Yeah. Uh, and everything that that then brought in terms of search, marketing, uh, online advertising, websites, and everything that goes around that and that impacts our business but if I just think about it logically for a moment and say well okay that's just another channel another channel okay. choice what really has changed what do we really do differently today because I think uh, when I started and today I, I still think it's still about uh, the uh, the right message at the right time in the right place mm -hmm. I don't think that's changed so I, I and I think what is absolutely different, and you're you're going to love me for saying this, Sue, is you, and I'm going to explain what I mean by you, because actually when we started, what we did was good old-fashioned media planning. Uh, we would get out a TGI analysis. Uh, we would look at a target audience. So let's just say it was buyers of uh, lawnmowers. We were talking about cotton stuff before, 
buy as a lawnmower and you could very quickly on a TGI analysis see what the media habits were of those people. So if they watched more TV and less radio, that's how you would plan your media and, and you would put together a plan and then we would negotiate and buy it. And I think what really changed was something uh, that you kicked off for us, Sue, which I think we called the SPEW, uh, the Strategic Planning Unit that you led for us, which I think was somewhere around the middle, late 80s. I can't remember the year exactly. Yeah, and that yeah, was... And that was the point, really, where our remit began to change as a media agency, where we began to actually think beyond, you know, a bit more or less money on TV versus radio and actually think about a business idea, uh, think about more the entirety of their business. And actually, I would say become, because we had to earn it, a little bit more respected by clients mm. to really make a meaningful contribution to their business. So we began to think more about business results, about outcomes, business strategies. And I think it's fair to say it wasn't that that wasn't happening before, but more of that, if not all of that, was happening in the advertising agencies. Mm -hmm. And it was what was called then account planning, if you remember. And I think what happened over the years, account planning and strategic media planning and all the other things that's been called ever since, began to morph together and became a little bit indistinguishable in terms of you know, who's actually responsible for what. And hence, you know, we hear today, you know, words around integration or, you know, Martin used to talk about horizontality. Uh, and I think that's the biggest difference. So I think today we have a much more important role. I think we make a much bigger contribution to a client's business and their business outcomes and success than we did then. And I think that required us to, over the years, hire a lot more people like you, Sue, uh, to have a lot more insights and information at our disposal uh, and then really understand and know how to use it. So I, I, that, for me, is the biggest difference today to what we were when we started. And Nick, what, what was the first thing that you did when you started working at Mediacom and what's your view on that change? Since, Do you like, think it's since all about me as well, Nick? <laughs> well, it's a bit of a loaded question, isn't it? Because, of course, my... You know, what I first did is I worked for Sue in the spews, in the spews. So, you know, I entered into that world. And the reason I joined, the reason I joined was a lot of the reasons why what Steve's just said, because I recognised that strategic planning was going to be increasingly more important to media agencies. And I was very keen to work in the media independent sector, because at, at that time, nearly all media was bought through full service agencies. And pretty much, you know, they were left sort of to the end of the presentation. We all remember those, you know, okay. the media plan was, and if they didn't get to the media plan, so be it, you know, so we we're always left to the end of the presentation. And I always felt that media really should be driving the process. And I think strategic yeah. planning in media should be the first thing the clients look at, as opposed to kind of the creative product. And now, if you look at sort of most of the processes we have, media considerations are taken first. So the whole thing is reversed. Mm. This creative kind of comes last or should come last. Mm. So once you've worked out what you can afford to do and what your media strategy and what your strategic plan is. So so my first job anyway was working was working with Sue. Um, in fact, the first thing that I did working for Sue was she sent me out to Houston Station with a tape recorder 
to interview people about, um, I think it might have been Bacardi. Was it Bacardi? It was Bacardi, was it Martini? Yeah. It was Martini. No, it was, was it Bacardi. It was yeah. Bacardi. So I spent my first day at the media business, as it was then, which then became part of Mediacom, interviewing people on Houston, approaching people on Houston Station. And those who those who know me, I'm kind of six foot five, so I can be quite intimidating approaching strangers. So I didn't get many takes. <laughs> I thought you were very brave, though. But I but I interviewed lots and lots of people, and we got some insights. We did a pitch. Hastings, I have to say, we didn't win it, but we not did do a pitch. Yeah. Uh, not that one. And um, we kind of went from there. But I think we were the first, that was the first, um, in, I think it was true that that was the first strategic planning unit in a media agency. Um, and Sue launched it alongside Dean Weller, an old colleague of ours, um, in, 19, in 1990, I think you're right, 1990. Yeah, and I joined in 1991. So, <coughs> so I think the biggest change is media's grown up, right? It's become important. It's at the centre, it's at the heart of what clients do. And I think it's going to be increasingly important. And, um, you know, I think I, I talked about it a bit on my last bo- podcast. I think that not only that, I think that we can have an increasingly, we, we will play an increasingly important role in challenging the messaging that's going out across all the channels that we're, that we're looking across. And I think that's probably the most important development or is going to be the most important development moving forward for us. Because I think media has been looked at every which way over the last 10 years by auditors, yeah. third parties. But I think that side of the messaging has been fairly left alone. So, um, so there you go. I won't go back to sort of telexes. I'm pretty sure when Steve started, it was pigeon carrying, wasn't it? Weren't they, throwing, weren't they uh, sending pigeons? Oh, pigeons. <laughs> I won't respond to that. I'm sure. I'm sure Sue's got a better question, Nick. I have. Got, I have got a better question. That. So you you've both experienced many highs and some lows. More highs, I hope, throughout your time at MediaCom, and I've experienced some of them with you. Some of them. Debatable. You've... It's debatable. <laughs> so I'd like you to just pick one memory and one highlight um, each. Um, tough old question. Uh, Steve, do you want to go first? Memory. Yeah, this is, this is just so it's the most impossible question. OK, if you think about, you know, almost 39 years, you 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 cannot pick one moment. But I, well, I, I'll try and kind of. Well, gonna I'm going to okay, gonna... try. OK, so look, I think that work is a bit like life. And I think in life, you know, the, the times we remember the most uh, are the are the saddest moments. And the happiest moments and you know those what we call where were you moments you, you tend to remember Nick you said to me you'll always remember where you were when I told you that I decided to uh, step down uh, so we're, that, we're all we're all going to remember that Steve okay but but you know so you 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 remember those moments and you know that I, I there's not one happy moment Sue I mean you know a lot of the moments would be around winning new business yeah. uh, they would be about winning an award uh, they might be about a celebration of somebody you know in the agency because something happened in their life uh, and equally you know I wouldn't say we've had thank god too many what I would call really sad moments I mean you know people have passed away that mm-hmm. happens and been ill and I remember some of those people yeah. uh, I, uh, I I think you know losing a big piece of business like VW 
Yes, it was sad at the time, but, you know, in the scheme of life, was it really that important? I mean, it was an important business moment, but no more than that. And I, and I, and I, okay. But I, and I think therefore the moment, the thing that I remember the most is something different because I think in those happy and sad moments, the thing that will always stand out for me is the way that people came together, the, the way they came together to celebrate and the way they came together at moments like what we're in right now with COVID to support and help each other. And I, I think I really kind of thought, Whoa, what is the best example of that? And I think to this day, and I'm afraid it's, it is anonymous still, but the, the greatest moment for me was the moment where somebody in one of our offices gave one of their kidneys to one of their work colleagues. And for me, that was the greatest moment. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything more that any person in our network could do for a team, a colleague or the agency than effectively to help save the life of a colleague. And I think when you give unconditionally <clears throat> a kidney from your own body and you can't have it back, uh, I think that's amazing. And I, all I will tell you that happened in our South Africa office, and that's as much as I can say. That was not what I was expecting you to say. No, uh, no it wasn't. How are you functioning on one kidney, Steve? <laughs> Nick, well, Nick, I, Nick, <laughs> Nick, same, as the same man with a beer in his hand, <laughs> you should answer that. Same question for you, Nick. Um, no body parts, I think. No, in your answer. no body parts. There is nothing that sort of will get in our way or defeat us. We'll always have fun. I mean, we were laughing about it. Mm -hmm. It's fun, it's dynamic, and I think we've always been like that through the good moments and the bad moments. Steve, I can take you back to the first day you got the global CEO job. Did you have an idea of what you wanted your legacy to be, and do you think you've achieved that? Okay, so look, Andrew, unless you are probably a president, I don't think anyone on day one of a job thinks about their legacy, because that's kind of the rear mirror stuff, isn't it? You're thinking about what do I need to do next? And but I did have that thought about, for me, my own personal legacy. And I had that thought actually five years earlier. So what happened was in the UK, so I, I was running, uh, we were leading the UK business. We had this goal to become the number one agency, which we achieved and around 2002, 2003. And it was at that time, I promise you, this is absolutely the truth. Uh, I kind of thought I sort of had that maybe it was slight midlife thing. And I'm thinking about uh, what, how, what, how would I want to be remembered? And if, you know, I was looking at my own tombstone, you know, saying on the tombstone, he was pretty good at media to me, wasn't really much of a legacy. And it was for that reason, honestly, it was for that reason that I decided and then with a a group of friends to start Raise a Sunshine, uh, my charity, which I still chair today. And, you know, when I look back on legacy for me, you know, where we've uh, done, uh, you know, we do seven and a half thousand personalized wishes. We've touched the lives over 60,000 seriously and terminally ill children. To me, that is more a legacy. Now, I, I just want to kind of when you sort of think about, well, what does that really mean? I, I think it's just about 
making a difference. So I, I can't say in 2008 when I started my global role, this is what my what my legacy to be. What I did start out with was an ambition and a dream for the network, which was to become the number one global network. And so if the question is, did we achieve that? Then the answer so far, and I use the word so far, is no. But I remember, I really do remember, this is very Nick Lawson, this. Uh, I remember in whenever it was, in fact, I found the pictures yesterday, 2002 or three, and we, we had a party to celebrate becoming the number one agency in the UK. And it was a momentous moment. And, you know, we really came from being number 12, number six, number one. And uh, I remember at the party, <clears throat> I was having a, a drink in the corner with Nick. And Nick said to me, Steve, he said, I don't know about this being number one. He said, I kind of quite like being number two. Remember that, Nick? You said that? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, as long as you're number two, it's a bit like the Avis, you know, we're number yeah. two, we try harder yeah. thing they used to say. Uh, that that would keep us hungry. So I guess what I'm saying to you, whilst I'm leaving and no, we haven't got to number one globally, I hope that that might still be an ambition that we will carry forward. Uh, faster first, as we called it, or renamed it recently. Uh, and and I, I just think, you know, some people would say, well, so what, Steve? What, what does it matter? Number one, number two, number three, they're just numbers. But I think uh, for those that know me best, you know, soft woolly stuff doesn't always cut it with me. And I think, you know, everyone can say we want to be the best agency. But it's very hard to know when when are you actually the best agency? Are you the best agency when when or convergence tell you you are. I mean, whereas I think that when you talk about a ranking, it's inarguable and you could argue that you get to number one by being the best. That's not always true because you can make acquisitions. But I, I, I think people get the theme and the and the thread of it. So I so I would say in 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 short, uh, legacy for me would be uh, making a difference. And I hope. I, I can only hope that I did make a difference during the time that I was leading Mediacom globally. And I took a lot of heart and it was very humbling, actually, the amazing messages that I got from <coughs> so many people who said to me things that I didn't realise at the time had an impact on them or their life. And, you know, people saying, Steve, you may or may not remember the time when you said X, Y and Z. Uh, and that led me to do A, B and C. And some of those conversations I remember, some, if I'm honest, I don't. Uh, but you don't always realise, Andrew, the impact you're having on people at the time. And I think maybe only now do I realise that as the leader of a business, the things that you say and the things that come out of your mouth, yeah. which you might not really think twice about saying, can have an immense impact, negative or positive, on the people around you. And that might be a bit of advice for me to be giving to Nick that, you know, sometimes just think, which I didn't always do, think twice about something before you say it, because yeah. you can't imagine the impact of your words will have on somebody and they'll take it home with them and they'll either worry about it or conversely make them feel incredibly happy. I mean, I... You, have, you have changed my life, Steve, with some of the things you've said to me. Um, for the better, oh, yeah. can I? For the better, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I had that. I had the. 
you know, I was meant to be moving to China and I, the, the company had gone to great expense to send me and my wife out there. And we, we'd got 99% of the way through the process. I had the contract to rent my house out here on the table when we found my wife was pregnant and we had to stay. And there's um, lucky we did for many other reasons, but I was really devastated that I'd lost the adventure and quite upset that I'd let the company down in that sense because China were really looking forward to it um, I was going to fill a hole for them and it was it was a big part of my life and we did the podcast fairly soon after I made that decision and you said very specifically you said well you know Mediacom China's losses Mediacom UK's gain and it just made me feel everything's going to be all right you know and it, it, you're exactly right it, you may not remember it you probably don't but it I do be... I, I do remember those conversations actually oh well it's it it, it... there was also a thing about Japan wasn't there <coughs> at one point there were Japan, the two jobs China there yeah two jobs so. I remember I remember yeah so bring it back to um Nick you're about to take over what what would you like your legacy to be well, I don't think you can think about legacy. I'm, a, I'm only, well, I'm not starting yet or to, I think, um, it's, I know number one's very important, or has been very important to us becoming number one. I suppose my focus is really going to be focusing on the constituent parts of, you know, what that really means. Because I think being number one to all the people that work for us is sort of somewhere out over there. And they really want the building blocks. And I think what they're after is to be the best at what what they do, what they are, what they can be. So I think it's kind of, for me, it's about breaking that down. What's the, what does that mean for a, a planner? Um, you know, somebody that's just joined the company. What does that mean for a director in the organisation? What does that mean for a local CEO? So I think it's about breaking it down into sort of constituent parts. Would I like to be the biggest and the best organisation? Of course I would. So, but I think it has to be kind of built on the sort of existing principles that I suppose that already exist within Mediacom, I think. I mean, I like to think that we're a meritocracy. I think there's an amazing solidarity within Mediacom its community. Diversity has become really important to us, and I think that's something. And also, we've got to recognise that our majority of the people or our median age is 26 in yeah. this company globally right it's 26 yeah. and i think we we have to represent and as sort of a parent yeah. with children who my daughter's just about to become 20 my son's 22 you know i think that there is a so i suppose what i'm interested in doing is creating an organization that there is a legacy for those people because I'm not sure the world is really creating an environment where there's a legacy for our children at this moment. Especially at the moment. I look what's going on. Yeah. And I think an awful there's an awful lot of vested interest with people of my generation mm. and older generations into taking as much out of the world as they possibly can mm. and le really leaving nothing behind. Yeah. For those people. And that I think if my, Mediacom is a microcosm, I suppose I'd want to write that wrong in some way, shape or form. So I really want us to be around that as a company, I suppose, that particular issue. It's, awesome. it's sort of an, an uber thought. It's a very big thought. Yeah. It's an uber thought. Right? And it is seeing the very big picture. Kind of. Well, let's see. So that that's kind of where I'd come come at it from. So then can you distill that down into a very specific promise 
an actionable promise to every single person in Mediacom? Well, I think, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not keen on promises because obviously when you make a promise, you, you, you have to keep it. But I do promise those principles will be remain part of our DNA, I suppose. So meritocracy, solidarity, diversity and giving you the chance at every level of the company would be my promise, I suppose. Steve, people first, better results has been our mantra for 15 years, give or take. It's a tagline that you put into place and you are extremely passionate about, as we all are. So in a people first spirit, what will be your parting message to our partners and our people? Do you want, do you want a bit of, uh, just for some people, it might be quite interesting to know the, uh, the story behind people first, Definitely. actually. Because yeah. we, we, we had a positioning uh, in Mediacom. Uh, which actually uh, Mark, your, your yeah. Mark, Sue, uh, worked very closely with me and the team on, which was closer to clients, which is as true today, hopefully, yeah. as it's ever been. Uh, but at the time, as we became more global, uh, I was told that that wasn't appropriate and in some markets could indicate or in, in, uh, imply other things. I don't know quite what that could mean, close to clients, maybe bribery I don't know whatever it, it might imply but it was it was said to be inappropriate so we had to very quickly think about something else so we had a global competition uh, and at the time I say I was running the UK and I thought Christ uh, I don't want to I'd rather be more in control of whatever it is we're going to be known as than just allow someone else to decide for us so we sort of got involved with a huge amount of gusto and in fact it was Sean Healy who worked collaborated with me on that and that's how we got to people first and then adding on better results because we thought that gave it an outcome uh and that's thankfully won the competition i still got somewhere upstairs in a bedroom the kodak digital camera that interesting kodak did do digital cameras you see and i won a kodak digital camera was one of the first ones. Well, what is Sean? Uh, I mean, Sean should have really had that. I can't Sean got that one sure. too, Nick. Don't worry. <laughs> he got one too. Uh, so uh, anyway, so that that that's the background. Look, I think uh, in terms of my message, and I don't know if this is a good or a bad moment to share this, but I guess it's as good a, as any. So if you can bear with me, uh, I, I've got here on my desk. You probably can't see. It's a drinks coaster and oh, you guys all remember I remember that you do remember it I've got one of my desk actually so, so this is something uh, that I wrote uh, a long time ago I think just when I first became managing director MD when you at, became MD yeah. yeah and it was called the way we do things around here yeah. and if I may can I just read the 10 things really quickly? Yeah. Can I take that liberty? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, one, always act politely to all members of our team. Two, remember you are only as good as your last piece of work. Three, accomplish your tasks. A task, by the way, was my, it was, it was sort of pre-management speak for KPIs. We didn't use the word. KPIs and tasks. I found your task, by the way, the other day, Nick, from 1997. <laughs> we'll talk about those Did another time. There's a few things that are outstanding. Uh, four, uh, improve on your weaknesses, 
share your strengths. Five, when you think you found the best media solution, think again. Oh, that was my favourite. Six, respond to clients' needs as soon as possible and keep them informed of your progress. It's nothing worse, I think, than a client doesn't, you know, are they doing or not doing something? Uh, seven, and this actually goes back before me to Alan, uh, spend clients' money as if it were your own. Yeah. Eight, use every opportunity to promote our company and all its services. Yeah. Nine, which is very me, this, never use the word impossible. And 10, and I think really maybe most important of all, enjoy yourself. And the reason I kind of, I was looking at those and in this kind of spirit of people first, I was thinking, you know, whilst everything around us in the world constantly changes, you know, technology, politics, COVID, whatever it is, uh, there are some basic things in business and in life that I think never do change. And I think all of those 10 things feel to me as relevant today as they did when we wrote them 25 years ago. And I think, Nick, that if you and the team broadly follow those uh, directions, you won't go wrong. I think we always have, actually. Yeah. And, and as you know, I sort of resurrected, actually, that. I went to great lengths, actually, to get a copy uh, or get a bit. Janice actually found one for me in the end because I was very, very keen when it came to, you know, when we were setting up the client practice, Steve, to really go through those. And so I've sort of really, just recently, over the last couple of years, I really revisited all those values. Let's talk a bit about the current. We can't we can't let the podcast pass without um, mentioning coronavirus because we're all currently on lockdown. Um, we're all doing this from our, our homes. We're not together, or to, although together in spirit. Um, and many of our, our clients are obviously, and our, our people, of course, are concerned about the impact of coronavirus. Um, what one thing do you think that Mediacom is doing right now for its clients do you think will have the most impact um, either in the short or long term? And, and that that question is actually for, for both of you. So whoever wants Nick, to start. Age before beauty, Steve. All right. OK. <laughs> uh, what if it's both? <laughs> then I'll go. OK. Uh, look, I, I, I think uh, it's a couple of things. I, I think just in terms of our relationship with our clients i think listening and partnering right now is more important than ever i think understanding and being sympathetic to their challenges uh and helping them in any way we can to get through this moment i think is important i think it's important because it's the right thing to do but i think it's also important because i think those are the things that people don't forget and i think people remember those moments in a year or I hope that at least they do two years to come where, where, where they might actually say you know what at our time and need those guys were there for us they went beyond what they needed to do or they had to do or what the contract said they should do uh, and they helped us where at all possible uh, in that way I, I think from a practical or from a media point of view I think what is most important right now Nick you sent a note around the other day which was very good about all of that uh, about some of the data and the insights that we've gathered together through some of our own data, through stuff that's been available on Google and, and other sources too. And I think understanding the mindsets of people right now, cust our clients, customers, consumers, uh, in every shape and form, couldn't be more important. 
you know, and by that, what I mean is, you know, we're going to have, I think, a series of new norms. So we're probably in stage two now where we're kind of in semi lockdown, but not total lockdown. And, you know, the new norm is that you go out wearing a, a mask on your face. I mean, that was kind of unthinkable six months ago. Uh, and well, I, people, and I don't, Some people were getting losing their jobs for wearing facial yeah, coverings. If you think uh, about. And, and look, I don't know. Who knows when and if a, a vaccine uh, is found. Uh, but we might be in this kind of state or stage for another 12 months or longer. I don't know. No one knows the answer to that. But I think what we do need to know is, therefore, what changes that made to people's lives? Uh, what, what, therefore, is the kind of messaging that is relevant and helpful to them and what would actually be maybe distasteful to them? Uh, and I think that is even further compounded by I, I think people are rethinking lots of things. I think people are thinking about their whole attitude around sustainability. You know, even simplistically, I think some people are thinking in the UK, blimey, what, you know, was it because we didn't have cars on the road that we suddenly had all this beautiful weather? I don't know. But people are making those connections and rethinking and reevaluating the way they behave and the things they do. I think more recently and even more personally, is obviously uh, events in the US. And when I say events in the US, they're not germane to the US, but they've been in the focus in the US, obviously, uh, with Floyd and what happened in America was absolutely terrible and disgraceful. And, you know, if there was anything good that's come out of it, it's been that it's kind of put uh, racism and unaccept any racism right back top of the agenda. And I see, I'm seeing at the moment a groundswell of support, genuine support, I believe, that never quite witnessed before. And what I hope is that it does lead to and results in check behaviour change all around. And I think even as much as we, you know, I think are proud about having within Mediacom a diver diverse and open uh, culture, there's still more we can do. I think there's definitely more we can do. And I think, you know, it's certainly I say me, but it will be now Nick. I'm sure it will make Nick rethink about lots of things uh, and how we can do better. Uh, so I, I think going back, sorry, it's a long answer to the question. I, I, I think really, in, in a way, it's people first again, although in this case, people first being consumers uh, and understanding uh, people, uh, which will help give us the right answers for our clients. And, and Nick, same question. I've forgotten the question, Neil. It, it, it was what What do you think Mediacom's doing right now for clients that you think is going to have the most impact? Listen, I, I, I think um, I think overall the the experience of kind of COVID has brought us much closer to our clients. Um, mm -hmm. I think that we've proved ourselves to be really adaptive and creative and hardworking, passionate, flexible. All of those things have really come to the floor. The, the, the floor to, for all of our people and there's no doubt that as Steve says I think that we've listened to our clients as well and we've been as flexible as possible because we we need to support them in their you know because some of the businesses that we work for the car industry for example travel industry yeah. hotel industry you know I look at Shell I had a conversation with our Shell mm -hmm. client this morning what's happening with them it's it's really 
really tough. And our business has been impacted, of course, because of theirs, but not to the extent that some of our clients have been. So I think there's been a real solidarity. And I think we've really tried to help where we can. And I think naturally that has brought us closer you know, to our clients. And I think those, those are the lessons, I suppose, mm-hmm. in humanity that we've seen that we can't forget the legacy of COVID, I think will be in those lessons, not just about the way that we live, as Steve was pointing to about sustainability, those issues, but in, in a way, I just think it will change the way that we work invariably. Um, I think it will change our attitude towards partnership and I think it will change our attitude towards the world. And I think a lot of good can come out of it. But I think, as Steve says, when we look at sort of issues like diversity in the workplace, well, I think there is much more we can do. There's no doubt about that. Definitely. And we really need to get behind that. And that's kind of going to be one of the, I hope, one of the sort of founding principles of my leadership, which is really building a true meritocracy. What does that really mean in a diverse, young workplace? And I think that's something that we're going to work, have to work incredibly hard at. But I think we can learn some really valuable lessons out of what we've all, you know, been through. I think it's given us all a lot of room as well to to think about the world and our place in the world and what's important and what's not. So, and I think people have very, very strong, passionate opinions coming out of this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's our job leading the company to to listen as well, you know. Yeah. That, you know, at that moment. So a big part of it, you know, people say, well, what's your plans or whatever? But a big part is going to be listening to really what people want um, to start with anyway. I think, I've, thank you, Nick. I find that an incredibly motivating thing uh, to hear. And I, I know a lot of people will do as well. So my last question for you is, is there anything that you would like to say to Steve? that you can say on air. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that caught me by surprise, I see. Is that on the list? Yeah. It is, it is on the list. Oh, uh, maybe I lost the will to live as I read down the, uh, <laughs> the, the questions. Um, well, this is nothing I've not said to Steve before, to, to be honest with you. I mean, we have worked together. I mean, I joined the company in 1991, so we've worked together since 1991. I mean, it's really, and as Steve knows, it's not that I... I I loved working, you know, for Steve, with Steve for so many years. So it's not like I was waiting, couldn't wait for him to to leave. Um, it was really not the case. And I'd have been perfectly happy working, you know, with him for the next five years, you know, whatever, however long. It it, it wasn't, um, it certainly wasn't something that I, 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 you know, I was looking for in, you know, in that sense. But like I said, I'm, you know, incredibly proud and humble to, to, to lead the business. And I'm really looking forward to it and energi- obviously energised by it. I think, you know, there's, you know, in a way, Steve's been, when he um, said he was leaving, I sort of, what I wanted to say to him, he's been like a father figure to me. But the truth is, he's, he, he's not that much older than me. But he's definitely sort of an older brother, I suppose, the, the, the way I've seen it over the years. He's been a, a really amazing friend and an amazing mentor. Um, I think his work ethic is something that is just not replicable for somebody like me. I'm not sure I can work quite as hard as Steve, so I'm going to have to find a way. But I've never met a more hardworking person in in my life and a, a, as a role model for sheer 
passion and interest and hard work. I've never met anybody quite like Steve. The only comparable person I've got is Martin Sowell, who's the only person that had that sort of total laser focus on work. Um, and I think, you know, I will, I will miss him. I mean, we will always remain friends and we'll, we'll be, you know, in contact, I'm sure. But I will miss him. And I know so many new people, people in the business will miss him. You know, I know that um, for a fact. And while I think it's, it's clearly a bittersweet moment for everybody, right? Yeah. So I think somebody like Steve leaving, you know, the business creates so much sadness. Mm -hmm. um, I think people overall seem pleased it's me taking over, but I think they're incredibly sad that Steve's leaving as well. So it's, you know, and I am too. I'm, I'm like everybody else, right? Because I was always a big Steve fan. It's not, you know. So I'm the same. Thank you, Nick. Um, I'm the same. And so just that's you know wonderful nick and um just finally for the podcast today steve is is there anything that you'd like to say to nick don't fuck it up sorry you expect well no nick, uh, yes i do mean that don't fuck it up excuse my language uh i apologize i shouldn't explain uh but no, uh, I said a few things. So, look, first of all, uh, as difficult as it will be for me to leave my Mediacom family, it's my life, it's my baby, it's all I know. I mean, it's kind of other than my own family and my charity. It's all I, I, I think about. So, uh, but I think for me, uh, the decision is a little easier knowing that I can hand the keys over uh, to Nick, knowing that uh, he shares the same values, uh, that he appreciates and recognise recognises what makes MediaCom MediaCom. And I, I think I sort of knew that, you know, yeah, obviously, you know, for the amount of time I've been around, there would be an element, if not of surprise, then maybe shock. Uh, but at the same time, I think reassurance that, okay, that's, you know, sad Steve's going, but great is Nick. Uh, and I think what I would say to Nick, uh, but he knows all of these things. Well, I, you know, sometimes you say lead by example. So hopefully whatever the things are I've done, you know, maybe some of them will stuck with Nick and certainly things that Nick's done have stuck with me. Uh, I, I would say uh, the 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 single best piece of advice I could give anybody in any leadership role is listen. I, I can't, you know, we don't always have all the answers. We might think we do, but we don't. And I think you have to listen and then you have to make decisions. It doesn't mean you have to agree with everything you hear, but listen and then form a view based on all of those things that you've heard. So I, I would say that's the first thing. The second thing I would say, which is, you know, honour the truth. Honour the truth in yourself and honour the truth in other people. And by that, I guess what I'm really saying is uh, be, be true to who you are, be true who, to who you think the company needs to be. I've said this before. Sometimes, you know, we tried in the past to sort of zig left or zag right according to winning or losing a new, a, a new business pitch. You sort of change your spots. That's not right. I, I think you have to decide 
what's the company we want to be, what's our culture, what's our mission, what's our product, what do we stand for, what do we believe in, and go for it. And accept the fact that not everyone's going to buy into it, and you're not going to win every every single time or make every single potential client happy. So I'd say that. And then two last things I would say uh, to Nick, and I know he is, because uh, if he wasn't, I wouldn't have recommended him for the job. Uh, be compassionate. I think, uh, you know, in business, at times we need to be ruthless and times we need to make tough decisions. Uh, but I think whatever decisions we make or we take and whatever we do, you still apply compassion to those decisions and you try and see things from the other person's side. And again, what it's going to mean to them, that those decisions, uh, what they're going to be feeling. And as it said on the drinks coaster, always act politely to all members of our team. So that's really about mutual respect for people, no matter where they are in the company. It doesn't matter how important they are or not, because uh, everyone's important. And I think lastly, uh, I would say to Nick, and I know Nick is very kind of focused like this, and he's like me, extremely competitive. So I have no fears about this. But I think it is, whether it is to be number one or whether it's something else, I think it's always important to have those goals. You know, the 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 analogy is, you know, you've got a football at your foot. You need what where I'm, what am I shooting it at? Yeah. You need a goal. Uh, so I think whatever that is. Uh, you know, decide those goals uh, and then obviously make sure you share them with people so that they all know which goal they're kicking for. Uh, and I think I think Nick's going to be great. I think uh, Mediacom is going to do amazingly well. I'm always going to be cheering for Mediacom. I'm going to be following everything. I know I am. can't help myself. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, there's nothing there's nothing I want more than for Mediacom to go on, be even more successful, and who knows, maybe one day be number one. Uh, and the way I will look at that is just being part of that journey, like all of us. Thank, thank you. I mean, look, it's been my luck to work with two such exceptional leaders. It really has. I count myself extremely fortunate. Um, and we, I will miss you so much, Steve. Nick, I am so excited about you having the top job. Um, I think all that remains to say is um, thank you. And um, Steve, don't be a stranger. Nick, I'm sure we'll be hearing more from you. No, thank you. Thank you, Sue and Andrew, for doing these. These these are great, by the way. I've always enjoyed listening to them. Maybe one day I can come back as an outside guest. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. Booking you for the Christmas episode. Yeah, the Christmas okay. special, Steve. All right. OK. You know, <laughs> memories from your four decades in media. That's what oh. we're thinking. Okay, I'll have time to write them down. <laughs> uh, okay, lovely. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. All of Thank you. you. Wish Thank you well. Bye.